You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hi, Casey. You okay? Hi, everybody. Hey. Hi, Dan. Hi, Paul. Hi, Sean. How Hello. are you doing? We're great. How are you? Good. Good. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm a bit overwhelmed because we're we're going um, we're traveling to the other side of the country today after this recording. Um, as you can imagine, it's uh, it's a lot with two little ones in tow. Um, I'm sure that you actually probably all know about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. The first time we went any distance, we went down uh, to uh, Exeter, and I was in a BMW 3 Series with a trailer. There was just about enough room in the boot in the back of the car for the for the child and uh, in the trailer we managed to just get everything in there was only one child I, mm-hmm. I don't know i don't know how we ever you know rationalized that down to two children and then you know less stuff to take it was ridiculous that's what it's felt like today the car is definitely less packed than it was the last time we went i think that's because our baby is now like an infant almost a toddler so you do need a lot less stuff when you're not thinking about sterilizing bottles and all that stuff but still we've got a stair gate in our boot and I think you know (laughs) when you start dismantling things for a road trip you know that it's going to be stressful oh yeah oh yeah well that was the amazing thing like a a couple of years later and we were down to a little Nissan Micra which is like you know no boot space whatsoever we could just about get a push chair in the back and that was it and we went on holiday with that (laughs) with two kids I just I don't get it I don't understand so anyway Casey you are here again um but back again we've we've had a, a discussion and we think you should be back every time and you should become a, a regular member of the of the podcast. Oh, I, 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 that sounds awesome. That's such a wonderful <laughs> invitation. But I don't know that I, I mean, I consider, I don't hope that this isn't an insult to anybody because I think it's a compliment. I consider myself to be quite a geek in some realms, but I don't think it's the same realms that you three uh, geek over. <laughs> it's not the, it's, no, I mean, we basically, we keep our um fanboy stuff to the epsilon three you know the babylon five podcast um we talk about star trek obviously because we all love star trek i think sean likes star trek i'm not sure there's a few things behind him he there's a few just, things yeah so um yeah we all we all like star trek so we reference that a little bit well a lot um but other than that really i mean we, we talk about all different stuff on this podcast it's different stuff so i mean the, unfortunately the last time we did one of these was Episode 19, that was a long time ago, so we should be doing more of these, but we don't get enough guests on to actually do them. Um, but we do other stuff as well, like films oh, mostly. I would absolutely love to, if there's a space and I can contribute, I think that that would be wonderful. Well, I, the, <laughs> the, actually, the only reason we want you on is so that we can say, including award-nominated podcaster Casey in our, you know... <laughs> Intro, intros yeah. and promos and things. Yeah, I mean, Paul, it's not a good look to be hanging off of someone's coattails, you know. We we tried to tell him that, but yeah. <laughs> I'll hang on to anybody's coattails. <laughs> it's about all I can reach. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was looking at some podcast statistics the other day, and just you know, just when you think that you're doing okay, you look at, I don't know, I don't know, like out of 
the air like Joe Rogan and then you like look at like I don't know last podcast on the left and then you're like yeah maybe I'm not doing as well as I thought I was and then you get the imposter syndrome and then you're like okay well I'm on my own journey and I'm going one day at a time and that is good enough for me well the, the only reason we do this is just to, so that the three of us could hang out you know I mean that that's it. otherwise we, we would lose touch with each other and and that just would be a shame so we just have a bit of a blast and we, we put we put it out there if anybody else wants to listen to it that's fine and there's not many people that listen to it so as long as the numbers stay healthy-ish <laughs> healthy-ish <laughs> then we'll do it but um, we actually get more for, for the um, Epsilon 3 because I think there's a, a slightly higher fan base and people search for that people know us tend to listen to us so it's not a huge it's not a huge thing and we only do and now we're only doing this like once a month you, you know we you can fit us in so <laughs> and you sound as though you've got a few more ideas so we might actually keep this thing going <laughs> i it, that was what happened after our last episode our last conversation i was like oh my goodness we could do this and we could do this and uh, and and then when you said top 5 films that was really tough. And then I was thinking, what will the others have picked? Because I don't know that we would. I mean, you three might pick some of the same types of films, but I don't know that we ever would have chosen uh, exactly the same thing. So I'm interested to know what you've all chosen as your top five films of all time ever. Crap, I've got to go up my list down now. Um <laughs> Not that we've discussed it actually, have we? We haven't got Not to that fun. point. We've well, got no, we've got we've gone more... decade by decade, but we've still got to pick out our favourites from each of the decades to try and make the top list. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's something we could do. We could do that maybe next time we can we can get Casey's input yeah. into our favourites. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe we could do that. That sounds good. We can listen to our old episodes and boost our numbers. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's uh, safe to say that I I think I've... Uh, oh, where's your list gone? I've lost my thing. There it is. Uh, so, one, two... I'd heard of three. I've oh, no. may, maybe watched one. <laughs> I've watched the trailers for all five, just as a bit of homework. And, yeah. You certainly have a type. So... <laughs> I thought it was quite. A, I thought it was quite an eclectic mix of different things. I'd say it is. I've I've seen Ooh. two of them. Oh, it's difficult because you know. <clears throat> sorry, it's difficult because part of me is like, yeah, action adventure, and then part of me is like, oh, romance and love. Uh, so it's difficult, and different films stay with me for different reasons. But when you say there's a type, there and... are a couple of things that definitely interweave between these uh these films and i think that by the end of it i realized that there's only really one main theme that ties everything together um and it's not it's not always the most obvious thing Mm. okay Mm -hmm. well let's start the podcast and we'll get into that so um i i I assume i'm doing this okay (laughs) yeah look how they all jumped in there no let me do it yeah oh no honestly take it oh (laughs) hello cosmic pizza podcast the show of all sorts that sorts all by serving up a slice of life what is your order please Uh uh-huh i see the special it is 
be there to deliver ASAP. Pizza Podcast, Special Delivery. Hello and welcome to your special delivery of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. I'm Paul from the UK and today with me is... Dan in the UK. And Sean in Canada. And we also have a new regular host. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? Yay! <laughs> He's forced you in. He's forced you in, Casey. <laughs> He's doing a good job. <laughs> can't, can't back you out now. That's it. No, I've said it now. It's, I've said it. So, yes, we have invited Casey along to become a regular host, and she has said yes. So, welcome, Casey. Casey in the UK. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and that's three UK against one Canadian, so we're winning. Good job, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, today's episode was, uh, we haven't done an episode of this type since episode 19, when we had, um, who was it now? It was Dave, wasn't it? Dave Martin. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, and this is a uh, desert island discs episode. So, okay, it, it's what used to be called over here is desert island discs. It was a radio show. You picked eight of your favourite records. You, know, you remember those things, discs, you know, uh, vinyl and stuff, making a comeback, I believe. And they uh, used to pick uh, eight of them and a, a book and a luxury and all that. And it used to be a radio series for many years and still going now. They normally have celebrities along to discuss their favourite, eight favourite uh, records that they would take with them onto a desert island. Now, we modified that slightly in 10 Forward, uh, a, a previous podcast I was on, uh, where we used to do a desert island trek and you'd pick your favourite uh, five episodes of Star Trek to take with you onto desert island. Uh, we um, re-modified it for this episode um, to say uh, five DVDs that you own, but as nobody really owns discs anymore and it's all streaming and downloads and stuff um i just know your top five favorite films uh so we've invited casey along and because uh, nobody really knows casey at the moment and uh, if you've heard her on our uh, two of our other uh, three of our other shows in fact um where she normally talks about uh, cults and uh, strange phenomena and stuff um conspiracies and what have you uh we thought we'd do a little get to know you a casey uh, type of thing um and we'll get to know your top five favorite films. Yeah, that's really exciting, actually, because my podcast, The Cult Vault, is an interview-based show. So typically, I am talking to other people about their experiences, and I don't even use my last name uh, with the podcast. So I don't really talk about too much of my personal details. So it's going to be different for me to talk today about my personal uh, likes in terms of film because film has been a, a, a big big part of my life um, I took film studies at A level and I have a degree in the performing arts so it's really something you know that I have relished in my whole life I think my dad's a big film buff and we were really really close growing up so that's kind of rubbed off onto me I think so it's going to be exciting Excellent, excellent. Well, there we go. You've learned something already. Um, so she's far more intelligent for us. So she might as well just take over the whole podcast, but do it by herself. 
So, okay, so let's move on to your uh, first choice, which would be a, a number five in your list. Um, what would that be? So this is actually really embarrassing. I don't know that I I don't know that I've ever spoken of, about my top five films and why I enjoy them with anyone other than my partner. But coming in at number five is a 2017 Academy Award winning movie titled Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So I don't know if either or any of you have seen that film. I've seen the trailers and I remember when it came out and it didn't look like anything I'd be interested in, so I haven't seen it. Same with Sean, um, but I've actually uh, I've seen the trailer and it should be a film that I should have watched, um, especially because it's the sort of thing my wife would, would have gone to see and uh, you know, we sort of normally go together. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't seen it and I, it must have just passed me by. I, I do remember it coming out and seeing and it looked interesting and watching the trailer, it looks even more interesting. So I'll have to go and hunt this one out. It's strange because it, it's one of those films that came out and I really feel like this was the start of having, or maybe I just started to notice it a bit more uh, at, at, at that particular age. And maybe you three can enlighten me on whether this happened to you. But I felt like everywhere I went, it was like being shoved down my throat. And I I, I just didn't want to see it. Um, that is with everything now. You know, I think it was the most recent um uh, Wednesday, Tim Burton's Wednesday on Netflix. I will not watch that because <laughs> out of principle at this point, and I, Too everybody much advertising. said it's amazing. Too much advertising. I understand that Tim Burton is is incredible. And I enjoy most of the things that I've watched by Tim Burton. Um, but I can't, out of principle, watch it at this point because I feel like it's just been like all over my phone on every app every youtube video i've watched everything so this is kind of what i felt when i first came across three billboards it was really being hyped up it was being advertised it was winning all these oscars you know the 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 leading lady francis mcdorland she won best actress uh best leading actress and I absolutely loved her in Fargo. I absolutely loved her in Burn After Reading. I think they're both cult hits. I think that they have their own place in in film history. But I still wasn't convinced. It had a great cast. It <clears throat> People were saying all these amazing things. And then one day, uh, a few years after it came out, my partner and I were looking for something to watch. And I think it was like a... Oh, I'm just going to hold down the button and you tell me when to stop. And it was like, whatever we land on, we're going to watch. And it happened to be this film and it was incredible. It was exactly what everybody said it was. Oh, Frances McDorland was an absolute like delight to watch in this film. It's really harrowing and it's very realistic, but it branches on like humanistic humor as well. So you really feel like you're... It's relatable, but it's uncomfortable that it's relatable because it's about it's about the 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 rape and murder of the daughter of the of the leading uh, the leading woman. So it's it's difficult, but it's it, it stays with you after you've watched it. And I don't want to give away too much if you haven't seen it, but um, yeah, it was directed by Martin McDonough and. Uh, it didn't win best film, but but 
but uh, yeah, McDowell did win the Oscar. So I would say if you're looking for something, Paul, especially if you think that your wife would enjoy it, I would recommend it. Woody Harrelson is so good in it as well. It's his character arc is there's twists and turns everywhere, but but in a really kind of uh, like confirming way. Like, yes, actually, I really like this film. Oh, good. Right. OK, so I. I'm looking at the cast now, and there's wow, there's some some good actors in there. Sam Rockwell's in there as well, and um, but yeah, it's uh, just looking at the, at the trailer before we we, we came on, uh, to re- do the recording. Um, I hadn't realised there was so much fighting in it, and so much anger and angst going on, and and you know, she's getting really wound up about why people won't you know listen to her, and she'll have to go at anybody and everybody to, to you know to find out the truth about about what happened. So. Um, but it is in a dark humor sort of way. From all I can gather from the trailer, I haven't actually seen the film. So, it, you know, even when she's like shouting at the reporter when she's doing a you know little piece to the camera at the side of the road, and you you just totally understand what she's going through and, and say, "Will you stop just doing your little stupid happy bit to the you know? It's not about the billboards. It's not about that. It's about what really happened." And there really has a go at her for that. And and it it is shooting down the. Um, you know, the media in that respect about how they go about reporting these things. So, um, you know, what they focus on instead of the actual crime itself or the person who's done it, they will go off on different things. And it's similar to a case at the moment over here where there's a um, a, a lady's gone missing and nobody knows how, why, or, or what. She's just vanished. And the police think she's fallen into a river, but the you know, other friends are saying, well, there's no evidence for that. We don't think that's what's happened. You need to look somewhere. And it's the media are not really concentrating on what has happened? It's more to do with, but she's a mother of three, and she's what about the kids, and what about the father, and all. Yeah, fine, but you know, I'm, I'm, it's nice to humanise people in that way and say, look, she, you know, this woman really has a lot to live for. Where's she gone? But where the bloody hell is she? I mean, the, you know, the, the, the I'm sure they'll find her some at some point, and they probably will confirm that she's gone into the water and drowned or something. But there's no, and the reason there's no evidence is why would there be? Um, it, it, it's all about you know, the body would sink. Yeah, we wouldn't float forever. It would sink. It may come back up later, but it would sink first. So, you know, it's, it, it is it is more about how the media approach things and how they uh, what they react to and things. Uh, so, yeah, I'll definitely give this a, a, this film a look um, um, and certainly see if my wife wants to watch it. She'll probably say she's seen it on Netflix or something or other. But um, yeah, yeah, it sounds like a good film. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Paul. With with everything you've said, it really is a look at. The media, but also law enforcement and and how once all options have been exhausted for parents that have lost children or for people that have lost loved ones in, in certain ways, there really isn't anything else that is offered. And it's a, it's a look at whether there needs to be some changes and reform in the way that legal action is taken. Um, and you could say the same about Nicola Bully's disappearance right now in the UK there's a question on whether they should have cordoned off the the actual site where she was last seen or last known to be located. Uh, it took them a couple of days, I believe, to actually create a a a, a cordon site. Um, so it just it, again it it talks about the the 
inability to do anything more for families that have lost loved ones, but also reluctance for law enforcement to do anything extra when when there is capacity to do so. So it's a lot of social commentary. But as you said, it, it really is relatable because if any one of us lost a child, we would expect the the legal system to do the right thing. So it's a really it's a really powerful film so i do hope that you go and watch it and next time we talk at least one of you can tell me that you've seen it and tell me what you think oh there's a challenge right <clears throat> okay so what is your uh, f- number four film second on the list. number four is another cult classic and i'm not using that in the term destructive cult i'm using that in the term wow that was (laughs) such a good film and everybody loved it and it was the lost boys a 1987 horror comedy about two brothers who moved to santa carla california with their single mother into their very strange grandfather's home and once they move there they encounter another world a hidden world uh, vampires and leading very handsome Michael gets involved with very young Keitha Sutherland um, whose name in the film is David and David has um, a girl named Rose and Rose and Michael fall for each other so Michael is convinced to become a vampire and join the Santa Carla vampire clan um so that's the main plot and then there is a subplot which arguably is you know the more interesting plot and that is the the younger brother running around with the frog brothers who run a comic book shop and are very well versed in vampire etiquette (laughs) (laughs) vampire etiquette i like that yeah vampires i don't get on with vampires too well so you you, you don't like scary stuff no no, I'm not, I'm not a horror it's person. Scary. I don't think it's... Is it scary? It's, it's not, it's not scary. Sutherland going... <laughs> and things. Nah. I don't, yeah, I mean, maybe it's because I'm watching it, like, after it came out, but it's kind of just him with fangs and, like, bleached hair and a big red <laughs> light behind his head. Um, But, very, yeah, I love it. I, like, I love 80s. it. I, I, yeah. It's I think... so 80s. <laughs> It is. Isn't it? I mean, that, and that's the problem. I, I'm a big fan of 24, so I'd love Kiefer Sutherland in, in that. And that's the sort of character I like him playing, you know, action sort of you know, person, you know, even um, oh, what was the other one he did when he was the vice president and, and became president? Uh, oh, I've got the name of that one for the minute. Um, but yeah, those sort of films I like, but scary i can't take him seriously as a vampire it, it just doesn't doesn't work somehow it's, it's just one it is literally one of those stereotypical 80s films that really you just can't take seriously because it just looks daft you know i mean vampires and teeth and things no no not my type of stuff i just oh i could watch that film every week i think it's i think it's so great and i maybe it's like a like a Corey Feldman, Corey Haim thing, because, you know, we're not going to see films with Corey Haim anymore. And Corey Feldman is very much, you know, taking a back seat in terms of making movies in his later life. So uh, maybe it's something to do with that. I don't know. But anyway, it's 
on Rotten Tomatoes, it has 76 on the tomato meter. So, Paul, I think most people <laughs> enjoy it. It is one of those cult uh, ones here. Yeah, like you say, it's a, it's a fan favorite. And, and yeah, yeah, if you like vampires. This... Have you, Sean, have you seen it? I, I have. I, I don't actually like it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's, it's the cheese me. factor. I, I don't know what it is. Everybody loves it. Um, I, 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 I can't even place what it is that I don't like about it. There's there's something that I can't put my finger on. Yeah, that's fair enough. What do you think, Dan? You don't like it? Terrible that you don't like it. Because cry, little sister. <laughs> oh, so good. I was trying to get hold of the DVD. That's the reason I went off screen there for a second. Um, my wife religiously watches that movie. And I think I would have to get divorced if I didn't watch it. Um, it's one of her favorites as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a classic. And, yeah, it's vampires. And we're big into vampires. Everything to do. I'm, I'm currently looking at there's True Blood books right next to her Stephen King collection, <laughs> right next to Salem's Lot and everything else. So, you know, if it, if it's vampires, we have to watch it in this house. So there you go. And it's 80s. And it's Kiefer Sullivan. There's so many reasons to watch this film. <laughs> That's 2v2. That's pretty good. I like those odds. Uh, Well, actually, 3v2 because Dan's wife is big on vampires. She's literally downstairs. I could get her on the mic and then she'd be talking to you for hours about it. There's something weird going on here, Sean. I mean, the, the the two of us, the older statesmen here, you know, the two of us that remember the '80s really well, and then these two kids come in and say, "Oh, these classic films, classic films." It no. sounds like a conspiracy. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Speaking of conspiracies, uh, we had an email from uh, our last. Um, uh, was it the last one? Uh, the last time that Casey was on. Which was when? Um, when were you on last, Casey? Oh, there we go. Uh, episode 67, uh, when we did the uh, cults and conspiracy theories. Um, our good old friend, William Lamond, or as he likes to call himself, <laughs> Bill the, Phil Lapond, because it rhymes with Lamond. Um, he says, hi, Dan and Sean and Paul. Uh, Casey was a great guest. Next time she joins you, can you discuss what sometimes works for getting people away from brief uh, from uh, from a belief in conspiracy theories? I know a lot of what makes people vulnerable is loneliness and frustration and some ignorance of what is real. Um, so there you go. What can actually get, just as a quick digress before we go back into your films, uh, what is it that gets people away from conspiracy theories and cults and things? That's an excellent question. Um, and I really appreciate people listening openly to the conversation that we had and wanting to know more about it. I think that's the first step. So that's amazing. And then I would say that I would say so this is not I'm not qualified yet to talk about these things um, in the same way that that the experts are. But after all of the work that I've done and all of the all of the texts of the experts that I've read, I would say that the the very first thing is keeping open a line of communication. If it's a loved one, even if that communication is so difficult because everything you say is met with a hostile retaliation or more kind of wild theories and reasons why you're wrong um 
there might be a day when that person realizes oh hang on but if that conspiracy theory is real and that conspiracy theory is real and they are really oppose one another how can that be true and we and we saw this a lot when when trump really did lose the election and people started to realize oh he really actually he really has lost the election so hang on if that can happen how come everything else that we've been looking at and thinking about how can that be real if if trump isn't the the president anymore so it can take one thing like that to happen for everything to untangle and they call that a thread so you pull on the thread and the tapestry just falls apart and if that person knows that you are a safe and non-judgmental root of of either just offloading or exploring you know what is real and what isn't real if somebody can come to you and have those conversations that is such a powerful thing and i know that sometimes people for their own well-being and to to look after themselves have to put in firm no contact boundaries or low contact boundaries at times that has to happen but if it doesn't if you can get through it and and still remain open that is 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 really the most uh powerful thing and then just slip things in there like oh remember when we when we went on this holiday remember when we did this remember when we were in school if it's somebody you're close to or somebody that you have those personal connections with you might be able to ground that person in realistic events that definitely happened because you remember them your other friend remembers them and there might be other people involved that were also a part of those memories that can really pinpoint the moment in history where they definitely happened and it's not just something that somebody is reading about online i would say that is the next step and also just finding things that are in common so if you disagree on absolutely everything when it comes down to either religious views political views socio-economic views anything like that if you disagree with find something you do agree with an artist or a musician or a song or a film or something. And as soon as you can establish that common ground, you might be opening up the pathway to explore a little bit further things that you agree with or things you don't agree with. So once you say, oh my goodness, the cure, I love the cure. So do I, I love the cure. Let's talk about how much we love the cure. And then we bonded slightly. And then you might want to tell me about some political views or some religious views you have that I can also agree with or at least understand. And then from there, we can start to go into maybe having some healthy conversations around what is what is realistic and what is not a healthy reality so i would say that that is the best place to start and thank you so much for the question yeah that's brilliant thank uh, thanks for that bill uh he, he writes he does um write quite a little bit of feedback to us so uh i, I must admit we we always read them uh we don't always reply to them which i really apologize uh, for but um it's just one of those things that when i read them i tend to read them at work and then forget all about them by the time i've got home and other things i just never get the time to, to reply so hopefully if i keep reading them out um then obviously you will uh, keep writing them but yes please keep your emails coming in bill it's brilliant and thanks for that uh, uh, i'm glad i remember to uh, to ask uh, casey that question huh? yeah bill thanks for that email and you know what else you'll be thankful for this promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. 
there you go. There you go. That's, that why we're paying, that's why we're paying the big bucks. That's exactly right. <laughs> I have one job and I'm going to do it, damn it. <laughs> so, Brittany, Martha, <laughs> tell me about your podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like we're in sync, but also kind of a disaster. We are always a disaster. So our podcast is fun if you want to hear two people talk about and complain about stuff that <laughs> they love and also hate. And drink. And drink. And the show is Same. called? Oh, <laughs> But, but first, first let's, let's talk, talk nerdy. nerdy. You can find us on the ESO Network. Bye-bye. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> so number three on your list, uh, Casey, uh, what, what film do you have for us now? Well, this is where we jump into the like love story, romancy, drama-y type of movie. Um, it's a 2008 film featuring Will Smith. And it's called Seven Pounds. And it's about a man named Ben Thomas, who is an IRS agent, who loses his family in a tragic car accident whilst he's driving. And he tries to recover from everything, but he can't really reconcile with himself the accident that he caused. And so he dedicates his life into finding seven worthy people in need of various organs. Um, and he vets them in different ways. And really what you are going through with Ben Thomas in this film is that vetting process. So the accident with his family is, has happened. It's been a while since that's happened. And he's put all of these things, all of these decisions about these organ donations into place. So you're really fine. You're, you're joining him at the moment where he is finding the people that he's going to give these organs to. Um, Woody Harrelson again plays a, a smaller part but um it's it's a it's the film that i watch if i need to cry um sometimes i don't know if everybody feels like this i don't know if it's like more of a female thing or maybe that's just instilled in society that it should be more of a female thing but sometimes i just need like a good cry and when i watch this film it's like sobbing can't breathe ugly crying it is so powerful um i don't know if you've watched it and if it would have had the same effect i don't think i've ever even heard of it no this this one passed me by as well i thought wow this is a will smith film and i've not i've not seen it i'm, you know, I'm a fan of his and i do like uh, his films but yeah i've seen most of his stuff too and yeah for whatever reason this one only passed me by because i kind of conflate it with uh, pursuit of happiness and that's the one i i've watched i think more um, I think I have seen it and I think it was on TV at some point, but I think I tend to remember that movie first. So I'm forgetting scenes from seven pounds. Yes. Yeah. That, well, I I think that I have seen, I've seen the pursuit of happiness one time and I've seen seven pounds a lot more. So I think that I am the same, but in reverse of that, reverse. Um, it's, I, if you haven't seen it, I don't want to give too much away, but it, the end of the film, it's it's like it, it gets you right in the chest. You know, like if you're watching it in the cinema, you'd be like, get that pain in your throat where you're like, don't cry in public. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's so powerful. The music is powerful. Um, Rosario Dawson's in it and she is just absolutely incredible. And uh, it's it, it really is. I mean, it. it the pursuit of happiness, I suppose, is more about 
a man kind of like zero to hero with a young son and then it's inspiring to see him do what he does for his kid and um with this it's like i i can't explain it it oh it's just yeah i mean i have goosebumps talking about it now but it gets me every time and uh you know if you ever need a good cry <laughs> say that <laughs> seven pounds is the film that you should um that you should go and watch yeah, I, I watched the trailer for it, and I, the, the thing that struck me at first is I thought, how old was Will Smith when he made this film? Because he looked like really, really young, and I, I just couldn't get over how how young he looked. And then I looked it up, and he was forty, but he looks about twenty-two. He looks yeah, younger he's than when he was young. doing. Yeah, well, he's always looked young, but he looks younger than when he was in Fresh Prince. Cause really weird. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, it totally threw me for a minute. There. I thought, well, he's too young to be playing this sort of role what's it and how long ago was this film i was thinking it must have been 1980s or something where it's really young but no it, it's it just he just looks young yeah it's oh it's yeah i don't know you should it's not vampires down but you should introduce it to your wife oh, and yeah. see what she thinks <laughs> yeah yeah she is a bit of a will smith fan as well so yeah i think we probably will watch uh, watch that when she needs a good cry too <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, now we're getting into the, into the top two now. So, okay, second favourite film of all time. Well, this was so tough because because number one is like, that is my favourite film. I think everybody just has a film where like, well, that is my favourite film. But with this one, oh, it was really hard because when I was younger, I used to suffer quite a lot with, really like nasty bullies in school um kids that lived on my street um so I was really a bit of a recluse when I was growing up and I remember watching Pirates of the Caribbean The Curse of the Black Pearl and I was like wow that's a great film and then the second one came out and I was like oh so I I got the second film and they used to come oh gosh they used to come in these DVDs that were all like uh, they were in those kind of metal boxes um, and they had like a 3D print over the top of them. Like uh, and it, it, it so it felt like, oh, it was it was so good. And then the little leaflet in the middle, it would have like all the old brown sort of like um, map kind of texture feel. Oh, and I, I just used to love it. So I got the second film and I loved it. And then I watched Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End and it was just the film that I played on loop. I fell asleep to it. I woke up to the kind of play select scene screen on the DVD player and it would just be <laughs> looping the same piece of music over and over and over. And I would just press play again. And I had Pirates of the Caribbean curtains, bed sheets. I had a Pirates of the Caribbean, I had a Pirates of the Caribbean um, DVD player that it, it looked like the helm of the ship and the remote was the um the compass <laughs> oh man i was living life i tell you um i absolutely absolutely adored everything about it i loved the action adventure style i loved the escapism i loved jack sparrow but i i i also thought that that Barbosa was the most piratey pirate of all pirates ever. He was, in, he's absolutely incredible. Then you put Davy Jones in there with that. Um, and, you know, just Jerry Bruckheimer in general films are, are incredible. And 
they were all three of these were directed by the same man, Gore Verbinski. Um, and I feel like even though there are five films in the franchise and a lot of people have different opinions about that, this kind of was like a, a trilogy for me. Uh, although some parts of those three films feed into the storylines for the fourth and fifth films, this really was a trilogy and it was just epic. The the scene with the whirlpool in the ocean with the two ships colliding. There was just, there's just so much amazing cinematography in At World's End. Um, and Hans Zimmer is absolutely my most listened to um, musician, artist, composer ever. Um, film music is a huge, huge part of my life. And I have had the chance to see Hans Zimmer live. And I just sobbed the whole way through. It was just one of the most incredible experiences of my whole life. And to hear Hans Zimmer's orchestra play like music from parts of the Caribbean, like this was about four or five years ago, was just, I can't even explain the way it made me feel. Like, like my, I have such big goosebumps right now. It's just absolutely incredible. Um, and I love all Hans Zimmer's music. You know, you I could sit through Interstellar, Inception, The Lion King, you name it. Like any film, Gladiator. I'm like, yes, Da Vinci Code, put it on, Hans Zimmer. Um, so I, I know that that has a lot to do with it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. I know it's not going to be a favorite for many people, but it it really is kind of part of my personal history. This is the film that took me out of the Pirates of the Caribbean. I thought the first one was amazing. It was totally different to what we'd seen before. I think Johnny Depp probably... I'm, I'm not a Johnny Depp fan. I think he's a very good actor. Don't get me wrong. I think some of the things he's played in are amazing. Because of the depth he takes himself into to get that character and find himself in that character. So, a great actor. Um but I think this is the best character that he ever played. And I think it's probably one of the best characters ever played. It's just amazingly, you know, the the comedy of it, uh, the, just the the whole way he goes about, you know, getting into that character and becoming that that persona. I think from right from the opening scene in the first film where he stood at the top of the ship and the ship slowly sinks into the water and he just steps off right onto the uh, onto the dock. I think that just set it up for me. I thought that was just amazing. So the first film, I think it's brilliant. Second film was okay. And I think it, for me, the second films are never really as good because now you've got the cast, you've got the characters, what are you going to do with them? You have to do something different. So the second one's never the same. This one is where it went batshit crazy and started doing <laughs> unbelievable stuff. I know we're working in a fantasy film here, guys. And I know we've got you know, Davy Jones and I know we've got creatures becoming dead and alive and all this. But when a ship is this the one where the ship goes into this the whirlpooly thing and they're firing cannons at each other? I was thinking, no, nah, I was thinking that's that's just wrong. Oh, it's so <laughs> it good, just... Paul. It's so good. And because there's so many different moving pieces and they all come together in the third film. And Elizabeth Swan's like, I'm this powerful independent woman now, and I'm gonna stand on this ship and I'm gonna tell you why we hoist the colours. And I'm just like, yes, I'm here for it every day. <laughs> We did a podcast a while back about uh, actors and actresses who look the same and you get confused between the two. And this is one that gets me every time. It's Kira Knightley, isn't it? I always think it's the other one. Uh, Jane Natalie Portman? No, uh, yeah, uh, no. Uh, there's a third one. Huh. Um, Natalie Portman, is it? Natalie Portman? No. Who's the one that's in... Um... Oh, for God's sake. Thor. <laughs> Thor. 
That's yeah. Natalie, Natalie Portman. Portman. Natalie Portman. Right. Okay. So it's those who I always get confused with because I, I they because it didn't bloody help. They played the same character in Star Wars, and from then onwards, I've just <laughs> never understood which one's which. But I prefer Kira Knightley because, well, she's British for a start. So. Um, you know, so, so it's got a great cast. You know, Orlando Bloom, Keith Richards, for goodness sake, pops up in this. Jeffrey Rush is always brilliant. Bill Nye, we can't go wrong with him. And he just, oh. and he is so unrecognizable because he is virtually all CGI. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. so good. It is. It's such a great cast. And I think this at this point, I think they sort of said, oh, no, you know what? I've had enough of this style of film now. It's just the same thing over and over again. And it's got a bit samey. And then suddenly these two ships go together. And I thought, oh, no, you've lost me now. So I haven't seen the next two. But I would, I would watch the first, the first one definitely. Maybe the second one um, again because I think they are such clever films, so well made. Sean, you obviously have seen this film. What do you, what do you think of it? No, I haven't. Oh, I, uh, <laughs> I, 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 I've been suffering from Johnny Depp overload for a while, <laughs> so I've been not watching any of his stuff. So I, I've got no opinion. <laughs> So, Dan, you must like it. Yeah, I mean, um, previous guests from this show, uh, Vicky Sargent, my sister-in-law, absolute Johnny Depp fan. We've had to watch that. She had the exact same collector's edition of the DVDs with the embossed covers. We watched it over and over. We used to babysit her because she was 16 when I got with my wife. And so she would come over to our house and she would stay here and she would bring that box set with her, with her like Johnny Depp cards. And she had her, her Johnny Depp jewelry that she would wear all the time. And yes, we fell asleep watching the movie while she was watching watching it and we would wake up to that dvd music over and over and over again and yes a hans zimmer fan i'm a big fan of the man of steel soundtrack i listen to flight all the time when i get started and have to do my walk to work my big half an hour push i've got a power up playlist and that's the first one that starts it it gets you into the zone um oh god yeah and Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, I worked in the cinema in Canterbury where Orlando Bloom would bring his mum to come and see the movies and he came to come see one of the newer, um, oh, it was the Lord of the Rings at the time and he would actually sign copies of uh, the Pirates of the Caribbeans as well as anything else that he'd been in at the time. Uh, so I briefly got to meet him and his mum. She was a very lovely person. And she's like, oh, look, at there's my boy and over there and all this sort of stuff. So I've I've seen him sign copies of it. It's been a big part of uh, my backstory as well and the whole Pirates of the Caribbean. There's a reason why Johnny Depp can go to California Disneyland and be that character because he can play it and it is him. No one else will ever play that character um he can just walk around the the parks and that's one of the reasons my wife wants to go there is to just purely on the hope that he will actually go at the same time <laughs> he is going to be there and meeting people um yeah it's a fantastic movie i love the fact they get married during the fight of the maelstorm scene i love that too and i used to get my middle son to sleep by just going jack Spala. that's all he wanted to hear just before bedtime there you go easily please Come. Yeah, he really uh, is. He is. I mean, Jack Sparrow is iconic, and I I think he is incredible. And they do say, you know, they could never make any more Pirates of the Caribbeans without Jack Sparrow in them, um, played by Johnny Depp. But I do just want to say before we round up this segment, just one more time, that Jeffrey Rush is the most piratey pirate that ever pirated <laughs> ever in in any type of film about pirates. Um, I know that Jack Sparrow is amazing. But Barbosa is by far like the most piratey. 
<laughs> you best believe in in ghost stories. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh dear. Wow. So, what film could possibly beat that then? This is just my favourite film of all time. It always has been from the very first time I saw it. Anytime anybody ever asks me this question, you know, what's your favourite film? It's always this film. And it's the 2002 Danny Boyle film, 28 Days Later. And there's so many reasons why this is my favourite film. First of all, if you're talking about John Murphy's soundtrack, oh my goodness. Oh, when I listen to John Murphy's, uh, I think it's... um. Adagio in D minor for the film Sunshine. Oh my goodness me, what a piece of music. And In the House in a Heartbeat, which is the soundtrack for 28 Days Later, is absolutely perfect. It's so good. And Danny Boyle teams up with John Murphy a lot and the writer of 28 Days Later, Alex Garland, who also wrote films like Dread, uh, The Beach, uh, Ex Machina or Ex Machina, depending on how you want to say it. Um, And it's just masterpiece after masterpiece but 28 days later in my mind is the truest depiction of horror and british grit there are two types of british movies there's beautiful notting hill picturesque countryside and then there is the back streets of london british gritty film and 28 days later as danny boyle with the director of that film is just the best thing it is a zombie apocalypse movie but even the way they had to shoot the film, they had one, they had a, they, they started filming at sunrise. They didn't have a budget to close any of the streets. So they just had to ask the first traffic of the morning to, can you just wait? They had one take for everything because they needed to catch it at sunrise before the streets of London got too busy. So you can imagine the overturned buses, the money everywhere, the cans, the the chaos, the disruption. Can you imagine the set team running on? And then Danny Boyle's are like, okay, one take. And then Killian Murphy in all his Irish glory just comes in as Jim, who wakes up from a, a coma after being hit on his uh, courier bicycle. So, you know, you kind of have ties in there to The Walking Dead, which is an iconic zombie series. But 28 Days Later, absolutely standalone. I think even Pedro Pascal was saying this week in terms of his inspiration for The Last of Us, it didn't come from, you know, the video game that that it's an adaptation of. It actually came from his interest and his love for 28 Days Later that he used to watch as a younger actor. And I think that that just speaks volumes. Well, this is a film I've never heard of and never seen. And... It's fantastic. It's oh. fantastic. And I love it. Guess I'm outnumbered on this one. <laughs> yeah, I've got uh, it and 28 Weeks Later over in the other room on DVD. And I can't wait until they do 28 months later or even 28 years later. It's, yeah, oh. see, exactly. Oh, look, right even there. the cover is so oh, good. Yeah. Dan's just showing us a cover. Red, yeah. red, red. And the fact that it was $5.97, but it was pre owned in the <laughs> And Paul, yes. you would you would oh, absolutely so hate it because you'd be scared and hiding behind your couch. But it's it's amazing. I saw I watched the trailer and uh, yeah, as soon as it came on, I thought, yeah, this is not one of my films. <laughs> Zombies, no, <laughs> the same as vampires. Oh, just... with less garlic. We'll, we'll give you there's some twenty. This moment, there's this moment in the film where Naomi Naomi Campbell, she's not sure 
if he's turned or not. And the music is just like reaching the crescendo and she has this knife and he runs into her face and she just stops in that moment and the music just pauses. Oh my goodness. Just the most incredible cinematography. It's it's so good. And 28 Weeks Later wasn't the same um, team, but I have heard that Garland and Boyle are in talks of uh, ideas for a script for 28 Weeks Later. But if you are a diehard fan like I am, then it should be 28 Years Later because that's what it's felt like waiting for the third installment. Agreed. <laughs> so, so Paul, Absolutely. when you come over here to visit in June, we're going to watch some uh, 28 Days Later, some 28 <laughs> Weeks Later, and then we're going to do 30 Days of Night just to... Uh, <laughs> just to keep it all together. Just to stick with the numbers. Yeah, yeah. All of those not. graphic novels downstairs as well on my shelf. Nice. Um. Mm. So, so that's always interesting to go back and compare those things as well. But Paul, you're going over to Canada in June. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, I've got family over there, so uh, we're going to try and see my auntie, and uh, I've got two cousins over there as well. Uh, last time we saw them, I was a single man, and when I left, I was an engaged man. So, um, I I asked my wife to marry me under Niagara Falls hoping that she wouldn't hear me but she did um so uh yeah so that was that was last time we were over there and since then unfortunately my my uncle passed away so i have another chance to to meet up with him again and um before he, he passed so i said we've got to get back over there and, and definitely catch up with my auntie again because this happens far too infrequently and it doesn't look as though she's going to come back over here anytime soon so uh you know well she's still she's only in the mid 70s she's not that old so uh yeah so that's the idea. Go over there. Oh, and wonderful! Pop, while we're, while we're over there, just pop over, pop over. I say, and by fly, flying over there, hopefully. Otherwise, we're gonna have to hire a car and drive for eight hours. But then we'll go up and see Sean. So, uh, oh, that's awesome! Oh well, I'm gonna be at CrimeCon in June. So, Dan, if you don't have any plans, I mean, oh, yeah. you and your wife could do a trip to CrimeCon in London if you're interested. <laughs> Brilliant! There we go. We'll do that. Absolutely. And you can talk about Lost Boys and uh, I'll just sit back and just listen because I won't stop you two. <laughs> she, also, she also loves 28 Days. So I think oh, pretty much just... everything on your list, she's got something to say about it. So, yeah. The best film, my favourite film. Mm. Uh, Brendan Gleeson scene. That's the bit that gets me every time when uh, with the droplet. I'm not oh. going to say more for Paul, but yeah, when the droplet hits him. Yeah. There's so many moments that are just like, yeah, ah, Danny Boyle. And <laughs> I really love his style as well. I feel like it's a very unique style that you can mm. identify as Danny Boyle's. And then you, when you watch films like um, the Sherlock Holmes movies that he released, it's still, it's different, but it's still so much Danny Boyle. Oh no, that's Guy Ritchie. Sorry. I was thinking the Guy Ritchie style, but um, when you watch something like The Beach, you're like, I see it. I see not only similar cast or same cast, but I see that style of cinematography and I recognize that as Danny Boyle's. And it's always like super gritty and I just love it. You mentioned Ex Machina though. Who did who did Ex Machina? Who, who was the... It was the writer of 28 Days Later, oh, who right. the, the person that wrote the script that's based off of the graphic novels. Um, and he, he also wrote the beach as well. So I, I don't know, you know, when, when I, when I think about, um, who's the writer for black mirror, uh, I always oh. think that, um, I've got his book, uh, Charlie Brooker. Yep. That's it. Charlie Brooker. I always feel like, I wonder Charlie Brooker must have like 
either a really serene mind or just constantly dark, intrusive thoughts that enable him to come up with the stuff that he does for things like Black Mirror. I feel like Alex Garland must be the same because these are like thrillers. Like like The Beach is almost like a psychological thriller in some ways and also very culty. So uh, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think um, uh, we're going to have to call that a day because uh, I know Casey wants to get off. So uh, thank you very much for... A, joining us on this podcast, B, joining us on this podcast um, and being and being part of the, uh, being now becoming part of the uh, Cosmic Pizza uh, family. Uh, we'll have to get you one of these mugs, which is one of those. Okay. And we'll have to also amend it to say Dan, Paul, oh. Sean and Casey. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. So, uh, yeah, great. So, once again, thanks very much for bringing your uh, five favourite films of all time and discussing them. That was amazingly good, and see, more people do know them than you than you gave us credit for. Mm. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the invitation again, and thank you for giving me a platform to talk for an hour about things that I enjoy. And thank you to Bill for your question, Bill. I hope it's helpful. Do let us know if it is. Um, and yeah, I am. I'm. I'm excited to learn that there is difference in our little group but also some similarities especially with spouses which is always nice as well so it's been a great chat and i appreciate you letting me just ramble on about things that i enjoy and i think we've also um added another little string to our bow because am i right casey in saying that you're still in your 20s yes not for long not for long not for long we've got Dan, who is in his 30s, but not for long. you got Sean in his 40s, but not for long. And me in my 50s, not for long. So we're all about, around about 10 years difference, which is yeah. incredible. There's an, another cartoon cool. to the childhood to come then. That is one that is on the list. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think that was the decade, one. That, yeah. yeah. So uh, I think another thing uh, Casey uh, brought to the table as well was our, our favorite toys from our childhood so that could be another thing we'll be uh, we'll be talking about mm, next so that's a good one mm. yeah, yeah i always i'm like what are these toys that my kids are playing with and then sometimes they get given a toy and i'm like wow i had one of those when i was younger so then i was thinking i wonder <laughs> if it's the same or different for the three of you as well in terms of gifts that you had when you were growing up mm, yeah definitely so that'll be um if not the next uh episode we uh we discuss it'll uh, certainly be in the future so Thank you, thank you once again, Casey, for coming on and joining us. And the uh, our, our special is gone, and the grease in the box is cold, and we hope you are full to the brim. So join us for more slices of life in the next special delivery of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. We've been your deliverers today. Please leave a tip at the door by subscribing for future deliveries. Rate and review our service, and we hope you come back for more helpings next time. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and TikTok by searching for the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. If you'd like to send us an MP3 file, you can email us on cosmicpizzapodcast at gmail.com, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Cosmic Pizza Podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon 
or by shopping at the Tea Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.